Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. Whether you're just starting your business or your business has been up and running for a while, it's really important to understand your customer's journey. So how does a person find you? Sure, that's important. Let's get more traffic, right? Traffic, traffic, traffic. But more than that, what happens after that traffic comes to your website? How do you take them from the first moment they find you all the way through to the point at which they transact with you and purchase something? Well, I knew when I hired Molly Pittman that this was going to change my business forever. Uh, you know, the simplicity is important. The more complex you see people with these crazy funnel diagrams. And to me, you know, maybe in some situations those are necessary, but um, most businesses require very simple funnels. It's just how can we build a funnel that takes someone through this customer journey? And that's what we're going to talk about today how to actually do that, how to implement that in your business and how to keep it simple so you're not overwhelmed at the same time. So make sure you stick around. We're also gonna get deep into some of the stuff that she did specifically for Team Flynn in my courses. So stay tuned. Oh, and yeah, cue the music. Obviously, three, two, one. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, the one thing he'll never outsource are his presentation slides, Pat Flynn. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me in this session of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. My name is Pat Flynn. I'm here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people, too. And speaking of help, we're getting a lot of help from today's featured guest, Molly Pittman, who's the former VP, Vice President, over at Digital Marketer, which is the company that puts on the Traffic and Conversion Summit in San Diego every single year. It's owned by Ryan Dice. It's a, it's an amazing event, uh, and that's where I met Molly for the first time, but she's gone off on her own. She has this agency now, digitalstrategybootcamps.com. You can also find her at mollypittman.com, and I hired Molly for help to help me and Team Flynn manage all the bits and pieces of our business so that we can better optimize the customer journey. That means taking all these things that we have, like the free stuff, the blog posts, podcast episodes, YouTube videos, uh, the paid stuff like advertising and, and whatnot, uh, combine that with the lead magnets and, and other incentives to get people into a funnel that then brings them into, in some way, shape, or form, an offer. And what was happening before I hired Molly was just a mess and a lot of failed attempts and stuff that was working, but just obviously not working as well as it could. So I hired Molly and paid her for her superpowers 
And she delivered what was just something that just made complete sense, which we're going to talk a lot about today to help me. Well, how do we get people from discovery to uh, funnel to purchase? So we're going to talk about that. So let's not wait any longer. Here she is, Molly Pittman, super smart woman, and I just love her to death. Here she is. Molly, thank you for being here and welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. Uh, thank you so much, Pat. Really excited to be here. Honored to be here. Yeah. And uh, I, so I, for having I, me. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I have to thank you personally for a lot of what you've done for me and the kind of new direction that my team and I are going in related to the courses that we have and the funnels that we're building. And we'll get into that in a little bit, but just what you've delivered for us was so amazing and super helpful. I uh, just wanted to thank you publicly here before we get started. Well, thank you. You were a pleasure to work with, so I really appreciate that. And we'll get more into exactly what Molly had done for me uh, soon, so stick around. But really quick, I want to go back in time a little bit and talk about how you got into all this. I actually want to take you back to uh, Buffalo (laughs) Trace Distillery. Yeah. (laughs) Tell us what you did there. So I was a temporary, they they called me a marketing temp. So it was like a a step above an intern. (laughs) Uh, But I'm I'm from Kentucky. And um, in college, I worked at a craft beer bar. Um, And it's really when the whole craft beer scene, you know, became popular, especially in Kentucky, who usually Kentucky is a few years late on any trend. Um, So I became really interested in the spirits industry, the way that it brought people together. Um, And so I did uh, this this marketing temp job at Buffalo Trace, uh, which is a really well-known uh, bourbon distillery. Uh, so that was an awesome job. Uh, mostly, uh, interestingly enough, what I was doing there was social listening. So they had a software that I can't even remember the name now that would... Uh, aggregate this daily report um, of any time their product or brand names were mentioned in the media online. So my job was to go through uh, this report and filter out, you know, what was, you know, important, what maybe not, uh, you know, wasn't so important, um, if the products were getting good reviews, if we were getting mentioned in big publications, so that was my job at Buffalo Trace. <laughs> That's really cool. And what year was this? That was 2010 and 2011. And then now where most people know you from uh, is your work with Digital Marketer, which yeah. is an amazing company. They put on some great events, especially Traffic and Conversion Summit here in San Diego, my hometown. And you know, you got started as an intern in September ish of 2012. What were you initially doing with Digital Marketer then? So uh, first of all, I decided to move to Austin without a job and like two grand in my bank account. My dad looked at me like I was nuts. (laughs) Uh, But I had um, uh, an advisor in college who uh, taught these entrepreneurship classes. And one day she told me, Molly, you need to move to Austin, Texas. I just went there for a conference. Um, Move there. Even if you don't have a job, the amount of opportunity is insane. I said, 
said, okay, great. What's, where, you know, what's Austin? I had never heard of it before. <laughs> so I moved to Austin without a job and I found this uh, post on Craigslist uh, for a paid marketing internship. This was before Digital Marketer was even called Digital Marketer. Uh, this was when, um, you know, Ryan Dice, the founder, had all of his little pet project companies in one office. So it was called Idea Incubator. So they hired uh, 12 of us at one time, 12 internship to interns. And we went through a three-month program uh, where we would produce these different uh, business plans, digital business plans. And none of us knew what the hell we were doing at all, right? By the second month, I was like, these people are crazy. <laughs> why, <laughs> why are we here? Um, and come to find out, they were really looking for people who could figure stuff out on their own, right? So here is uh, an idea for a business, Survival Life, which is actually a real business now, uh, create a business plan. And they wanted to see who could do the research, who was a good public speaker, who could work in teams. And after the three months, uh, four of us were hired and placed into full-time positions. And that's when I really went to work with Ryan and, and Digital Marketer really started as a brand uh, in, in that, same, that same time. That's amazing. I didn't even know all that went down. It was kind of a, <laughs> kind of a cool, interesting hiring process to kind of it was put like you... A yeah, it was like a TV show. Like pe some people were let go every Friday. Like we knew that was happening. Uh, we should have got it on film. <laughs> that would have been good TV. That's for sure. Yeah. So from yeah. there, you grow in the company and you eventually become VP of marketing. Yeah. How did that yeah, all happen? So from, so from there, the first thing Ryan said, Molly, go learn uh, social media, right? Uh, that's when you could still really get a ton of organic traffic. Uh, so I, I did some fiddling around on Facebook and I went to him one day and I said, Ryan, you know, we're not running any Facebook ads. Uh, I'm really curious. It seems like an extension of what I'm doing with this organic traffic. Would you mind if I played around with it? And he smiled really big, gave me access to um, some great media buying courses. The first one I ever went through uh, was Justin Brooke at I'm Scalable. I'm not sure if you know Justin, but mm -hmm. he was the first person I, I learned Facebook from. And then Ryan gave me a little bit of money and said, okay, come back with a positive return on ad spend. <laughs> And so I thought for a week or so about what types of ads I was going to run, what products I was going to sell. Uh, the first campaign went really well. And then from there, we started spending more on Facebook. I really became the media buyer there. Um, and then in 2014 is when I became a VP of marketing. So really overseeing, uh, you know, the email calendar, Facebook ads, uh, acquisition, monetization, making sure that DM was growing. That was really my job. Um, and then, you know, add in public speaking and the ability to teach and really get to know the customers. It was an awesome five years. That's awesome. And you are a great teacher. You're a great public speaker. I've seen you on stage. We've spoken on the same stage together in Nashville, which yeah. was a lot of fun. In total, how much yeah, how, how much money have you spent on the ads, would you say, over the course of the past few years? Um, almost $10 million, probably a little bit over $10 million now. That's insane. 
It's <laughs> a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, split up over four years, it's, it's easier to digest, but, um, yeah, that's, that uh, five years ago, if you would have said, Molly, you're going to spend $10 million on Google and Facebook in the next five years, I would have looked at you like you were nuts. <laughs> but you've done it and you've done it with a positive ROI, which is amazing. Yeah. And recently you've uh, started your own agency, which is where we started working together. So I hired Molly uh, specifically to help me build out my funnels for the courses that were launched last year. And the way that you put it together was really amazing and the deliverable is just fantastic. And we're actually implementing, as you know, Molly, all those things that you're teaching us right now. When you started to work with me, what was the, what What do you, actually, what is your goal when you're working with somebody who's like, hey, I have this stuff to sell, help me sell it. <laughs> Um, my goal is to help them sell more of what they have, but really the first goal is to figure out what they want to do, right? So with your situation, you have all of this organic traffic and, you know, podcast listeners and people following you on Facebook and on your email list. So really what we needed to do together was um, to find a way uh, for you to build funnels so that you could sell your products every day, right? So that we could, you know, take someone who might be interested in your brand or a cold lead and turn them into a customer and, um, you know, make sure they're, they're buying the right product. Uh, why I like to do a lot of work with funnels is because if your, your funnel or your customer journey, whatever you want to call it, if it is not working, um, it doesn't matter how much traffic you buy or how many emails you send or how many webinars you do, um, you're going to have trouble growing your business. Um, so usually when I'm working with a client, it comes down to the funnels, right? They either want to um, find a way to sell a product uh, to a particular group of people or they want me to take their funnels and, and optimize them so that they perform better. At what point should a person start thinking about funnels. I know obviously when you're just starting out, it's, it's, you know, before even products exist, it's more about building the audience or finding those pain points. But after that pain point is found and perhaps even before the product is created, should funnels even enter the conversation at that point? I think that education on funnels um, is really important. And for people to understand that there are different types of funnels, right? There are funnels built to acquire customers. There are funnels built to um, increase the uh, the customer, the, sorry, the, the, the value of your current customers. I think that it's really important when you're first starting out, like you just said, to figure out who are you? Who are you as a person? Who are you as a brand? What value do you have to bring to the market? And how are you going to connect to your audience? Uh, but the very next thing I would start thinking about you know, are funnels. And funnels don't have to be incredibly complicated. Um, they can be, uh, you know, two or three web pages put together. Uh, they can be very simple. Um, but funnels are the machine. They are the mechanism uh, that takes someone from interested in your business and turns them into a customer. So um, I can't imagine anything more important than your funnels other than, you know, the products that you sell and uh, building that relationship with the audience. So let's say, for example, we're a brand new company. We have a product. We have tested it. It works. Now we're ready to go out there and start acquiring new customers and putting people into this 
funnel. In our plan to create this customer journey, like you said, how do we even begin? Where, what, where, where do we get new customers and how does that, and I guess what we'll do is we'll take people you know, on that journey. So let's start. We have a product. How do we get customers in there? Obviously, there's blogging, podcasting, and all this organic stuff, but I'd love to dive into you know, some of the more paid stuff, which is a little bit more advantageous when you're just starting out because it doesn't take much time to get in front of an audience versus building that audience organically. So right at the start, we have a product. How do we start this thing? Yeah. So you have a product. The first step is really awareness. So how are you going to put yourself in front of this audience? It can be through organic strategies, but those take uh, more time. So usually if a business is in a pinch, they really want to get started quickly or they're ready for scale, they will start to look out to paid traffic strategies, right? Um, Really the big three right now, in my opinion, are Facebook, Google, and YouTube. Um, Uh, You can get all of the traffic that you want from those three platforms. Um, And I like those three platforms because they're also very different, right? Mm -hmm. Um, YouTube is a video platform. Uh, Google is much more search-based. So um, Google allows you to really pick that low-hanging fruit of people that are already searching, you know, with questions or pain points that your products can solve, right? Uh, the, The trouble with Google is that it's not super, scalable, right? Uh, Like we can't necessarily manufacture how many people are searching for how to start a podcast today on Google, right? Um, But it's it's just no brainer, low hanging fruit traffic because those people in the moment have that ping point. Um, And then you have Facebook, which is definitely my favorite just because of the scale on the platform. I mean, uh, most humans have a Facebook page and Facebook has something crazy crazy like 50,000 data points on each of its users. So Facebook knows what we talk about on Facebook, what we like, um, you know, when we stop in the newsfeed to pay attention to a certain post or video, uh, Facebook knows all, (laughs) which uh, some people think is creepy. And I think it's amazing from a marketing standpoint. Um, So think of Facebook as your modern day billboard, right? Um, You know, you are interrupting people in their newsfeed. So it's not necessarily something that they've requested to see. Um, But if you really focus on, uh, you know, making your targeting relevant, uh, you can get right in front of the audience that you're looking for, uh, because you can target people literally based off of what they're interested in. Um, So those are the three traffic platforms, paid traffic platforms that I really recommend starting with. And that's how you create that awareness. Uh, But the big mistake most people make is um, that first ad that they show completely cold traffic, people who have never met them before. uh, Most people start uh, with asking someone to buy something in that ad, right? It's like, hey, I have this product, you should buy it. Um, And usually that's when people say Facebook ads don't work or they go into this moment of frustration, which I totally understand. Um, And it's not that people don't want their product. 
Um, it's just that they're not ready to be sold to, right? Um, I think that a lot of online marketers have lost touch with the human aspect of digital marketing, right? Even though we can't see people through the screen, um, they're still people, right? They're, they're not robots. We're not day trading stocks. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's really important to keep in mind with your customer journey that your journey or your funnel should almost mimic um, a real in-life uh, relationship, right? Um, so when you first meet someone, even romantically, uh, you probably wouldn't immediately ask for their phone number, right? And that's what most people are doing. Um, so when running paid traffic, I really recommend uh, leading with something of value. And this is when you go more into the engagement stage. So awareness is you appear in their newsfeed um, or you appear on YouTube or inside of Google. Uh, but my recommendation is not to go right to sell your product, right? We're not going to go uh, directly to an ask we're going to give value first. So that's where an awesome blog post or podcast episode or free online class or a webinar, um, anything of value can come into play so that you're showing up, introducing yourself and giving them something of value first. And, uh, you know, and uh, then, then as a brand, you receive, you know, someone who's now in your pixeled audience, they're a part of your email list, you're able to deliver them this awesome content, and then we can ask them to buy a product. Um, so I think it's really important for people to understand that and to be in touch with the market and realize that even though we're selling online, um, it's still a relationship, right? And there's um, almost this bank account that you have with your prospects. And you have to make sure that you are depositing relational equity into that bank account before you're um, you know, taking money out of it and, and asking them to actually buy something. Does that make sense pat complete sense i love that that analogy but to clarify are you saying literally ads should go to a blog post ads should go to a podcast or some you know lead magnet uh that offers value like you said a mini course versus just the sales page itself Absolutely. Um, It's okay to run traffic directly to a sales page later in the funnel, right? That's why retargeting is beautiful. So people who have consumed that blog post or that mini class, it's totally fine to show them paid ads that go directly to a sales page. But those people who are very new to your brand or who have never heard of you before, it's always best to lead with some sort of lead magnet or something of value so that you can start to build that relationship and so that you can give them value and build the trust with the end user, right? That's Mm -hmm. just as important. You know, when people opt in for a lead magnet, um, it must be of quality, right? Like if your lead magnet was, uh, you know, you didn't put a lot of time into it, uh, there's a small likelihood that they're going to want more from you, that they're going to want to buy more. Um, So of course, it's so important to make sure the first step of those funnels 
is is really high quality so that you make a great first impression. But yeah, a digital marketer, one of the best strategies that worked for us with paid traffic was to first run um, all of the traffic to a blog post. And then within the blog post, we would weave calls to action for them to buy a product that was about a similar topic that the blog post was, right? So maybe we were running traffic to a blog post about Facebook Messenger. And then we were selling a course about Facebook Messenger as calls to action there in the blog post. And then, of course, retargeting people who read that blog post, um, asking them to buy also. Mm -hmm. That's great. And to put this into context, so with my stuff, the stuff that you've been helping me out on, you know, my trouble isn't getting in front of people and the sort of getting attention. That stuff is already there. The challenge for yeah. me was, okay, now that I have this attention, how do I let people know about, let's just take, for example, the podcasting course. And by the way, uh, Molly, two days ago, I picked up a new domain name to help with this process, uh, howtostartapodcast.com. Nice. My Google up. example earlier was perfectly in alignment with that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we, we, didn't, awesome. we actually didn't discuss Google ads uh, which may be something that I might implement in the future. We will be running Facebook ads for cold traffic, but also retargeting warm traffic as well. Um, but let's take the next step. Okay, so people find my stuff, and then they are going into, what What did you set up for me? Let's take the uh, mini course, for example, for the podcasting course. Why is that important? What does that do? And what is it there for? Yeah, so your podcasting mini course uh, engages people, right? So you make them aware, then you want to engage them. That's basically just presenting them um, a really good piece of content. So we, we've done that. Then we move to subscribe. So if they're interested, they want to take your uh, podcasting mini course, then they're going to give you their email address. Now you have the permission to follow up. Uh, the subscribe stage is really important because if you aren't collecting email addresses or messenger subscribers or, um, you know, pixeling people who visit your website, then you can only really follow up with people that actually convert and buy. So it's really important to um, be able to follow up with people even if they don't buy. I think the average conversion rate on an e-commerce site is like two to three percent, right? So imagine if we could only follow up with two to three percent of people that visited our site, like that, that would suck. <laughs> so that, that subscribe stage, asking them for their email address and the permission to follow up is hugely important because a lot of those people won't be ready to buy now, um, but now they're in your ecosystem. And maybe a month later, you send an email about something completely different, right? And they're like, oh, there's Pat. I went through that awesome course with Pat. This is what I want to buy, right? Um, so the subscribe stage, hugely important. Um, and then we move into the convert stage. So that's where you actually are going to ask them to buy. So they subscribe to your YouTube mini class. They go through the videos. They have an awesome experience. They get a ton of value. And then the next step from this free mini class is for them to buy your paid 
power up podcasting course, right? It logically makes sense. And notice that the mini class was about podcasting and the course is about podcasting. A huge mistake I see people make is they get so focused on this lead magnet, this engaged subscribe stage that they lose sight of what they're actually wanting to sell, right? So they're trying to sell dog collars, but their mini class or their lead magnet is, you know, a cat calendar. (laughs) Because for some reason, they got so focused on creating this awesome lead magnet that they thought more people would want to download a cat calendar than a dog calendar. But they're trying to sell dog collars, right? So it's really, really important to have um, that seamless experience, that congruency between your lead magnet and that converts stage, right? Um, So it always starts with the product you're trying to sell. Then let's create a cool course or lead magnet that's going to allow us to uh, build that email list and segue into um, an ask to buy the product. And then after they buy the product, there's the excite stage, which is hugely overlooked by most brands. Uh, when someone buys from you, marketing doesn't stop there. You know, half of my job at Digital Marketer as VP of Marketing was how are we marketing to people who have already purchased from us, right? Those are your, that's your hot traffic. Those people love your brand the most. Uh, and a lot of people think that marketing just happens in those first three steps. So after the convert stage, we have excite and you must actually deliver a good product, which is something that you're really great at, Pat, and why people love you. The the quality of the product must excite the person, right? Like, you know, if you've ever ordered something online and it shows up at your doorstep and you're like, oh, this is really low quality. Like, I don't want this product. Like, this was underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever you've had that experience, you probably didn't buy from that company again, <laughs> right? Um, so, same thing happens online. Um, so make sure that when you're delivering the product, that you're exciting the person, that you are exceeding expectations because it will make the rest of the customer journey um, a lot easier. So after we excite them, then later on in the journey, the next day or maybe the next year, depending on the product you sell, you can then upsell them. So either ask them to buy other products that are complementary to what they've purchased from you. Um, Maybe if your product is something they could buy again, uh, say you're selling razors, uh, then you should have marketing campaigns in place to get those people to buy more razors from you. Um, So, you know, that upsell process is hugely important to the customer journey because if they converted and they really enjoyed the product, they're going to want to buy from you again, whether it's the same product or something else that you offer. Um, So upsells are, you know, very important marketing campaigns to consider, even though they go to a much smaller audience than, you know, your lead magnet, which is distributed to, you know, as many people as possible. Um, And then after the upsell, it's really about um, getting people to become advocates and promoters of your brand. Um, You know, I'm sure 
you've seen brands that reach out and ask for testimonials or um, even brands that have loyalty programs or referral programs. Um, those are all really smart marketing campaigns later on in your business How uh, to focus on. How can I get people who have already purchased from me um, to invite their friends and family um, to be a part of, of your ecosystem? So I know that was a little long-winded, but those are really the steps to focus on. And and when you're thinking about marketing campaigns, you know, it's not always the beginning. It's not always the awareness. You know, for example, with you, Pat, you've got that covered. You know, we just had to figure out that subscribe and conversion stage um, and and really upsell stage. How do the funnels, you know, fit together? Um, so it, it's really important to think about your company in terms of those steps um, so that you can think where, where are my efforts best spent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where is, where are we having trouble in the company? You know, are we having trouble acquiring customers? Are we having trouble getting customers to buy again? Um, and once you identify that, that's where you should focus your, uh, your marketing efforts, and this is how it, different, uh, it differs from last year where the marketing efforts were definitely based on open and close launches, a lot of uh, time and intention in a very short time period, which, um, you know, I don't think I exhausted my audience. I do a good job of segmenting for all the different courses and such, but it just became so overwhelming each time I had to open and then close and then reopen and then close again. Uh, this way we are able to continually in an evergreen fashion sell the course but still do it in a way that promotes uh, the value that's behind it to uh, you know encourage the customer journey uh, all the way through and also increase the likelihood of a purchase because of you know a lot of just the conversation that's happening. And again, it's mostly done in an automated fashion, which is uh, really cool. And when Molly set that up, it was just like, oh, yes, like we should have just why, why didn't we think of this? You know, and what, easy. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I we were trying to make it too complicated. I mean. Yeah. We started to implement some tools and other things to try and help us out with the automation of this whole thing. And then you came around and you really just simplified things for us. And I think all of us as entrepreneurs, we tend to overcomplicate things. And especially when it comes to funnels, we need to just, okay, what at minimum do we need? And let's build from there versus what are all the bells and whistles we could add right up front? Absolutely. And especially from a technical side, the, uh, you know, the simplicity is important. The more complex you see people with these crazy funnel diagrams. And to me, you know, maybe in some situations those are necessary, but um, most businesses require very simple funnels. It's just how can we build a funnel that takes someone through this customer journey? Um, So I I think it's also important to note, um, you know, businesses, uh, will build one lead magnet and use that lead magnet for years, right? Um, and it's really important to think about your lead magnets or entry point offers, whatever you want to call them, in terms of um, how am I appealing to different types of people in my market, right? So maybe there are two people who are both very interested in learning how to start a podcast, but one of them likes to read written text, right? Like they would rather download a PDF about how to start a podcast and just read the entire document and implement. 
some people are visual learners, right? They would rather learn through video. Uh, they would rather go through, you know, a seven day class with you head on video teaching them how to start a podcast. So as you're thinking about scaling your business, it doesn't always have to be about creating new products that you sell. Really think about your lead magnets and make sure that even if it's offering similar information, um, that you are creating different experiences for the end user because even though they're interested in the same topic, there are very different types of people in your market. Does that make sense, Pat? Yes. That's why for each of your funnels, we had a you know PDF download. That's going to speak to people who just want the resource and, you know, they can consume it on their own. And then we also created mini classes, which are on video. Um, so just a, a little tip and something to think about when you're scaling your business. It, it doesn't always have to be about the products. You could scale just by offering a different type of lead magnet than you had before. And speaking of the mini course, which we touched on earlier, I think a lot of people might be wondering, well, what's the difference? If, if they relate to the same thing, how do you define what goes in the mini course versus what's in the premium course? How do you delineate that? <clears throat> yeah, that's a great question. So um, I like to talk about the idea of splintering. That's really what a funnel is about. So how can you take um, a product and splinter little pieces of it or ideas um, that you can give people as lead magnets um, to not only educate them, but also to build that desire for more, right? So inherently, lead magnets should be valuable on their own, but they should also leave the consumer with a desire for for more from you, right? Like that's that's really the purpose of the lead magnet. So for example, if you're doing a, a mini course, it's totally fine to give you know, the first module or maybe an intro module away um, as a lead magnet and then upsell the rest of the course as long as that intro module gives standalone value, right? We don't want this to be a bait and switch, like to be continued, you know, you must buy to to watch the rest of Pat's video. Yeah. Um, we don't want to do that, but um, to maintain that congruency, you know, that's a really easy way to do it. Um, or thinking about a topic um, that really comes before whatever you're trying to sell. So at Digital Marketer, um, we created uh, early last year a paid traffic workshop. So I had all of these traffic plays. We were teaching uh, different. Um, we were teaching different traffic platforms. It was a really robust course. So the mini class that I used to launch that course was how to build and launch a profitable Facebook ad campaign in five days. So I took a very small, easy, digestible concept that I knew um, they could get a win from, right? It was very valuable. They were going to launch a Facebook ad campaign, right? In just a few days. Um, but at the end of that mini, uh, mini class, it set me up for a really easy pitch for the bigger course. Hey, you just learned 
how to launch a Facebook ad campaign. Uh, but this is just one strategy of 20 that I'm going to teach in this course. And also there's YouTube and there's Google. So d- does that make sense, Pat? Like we, we gave them a lot of value. We satisfied them, but it was just one little piece of this bigger idea uh, that we were really trying to sell them on. Absolutely. Now, another follow-up question to this is, wouldn't people be upset to see that in the paid course, there is something there that you also give away for free or that they've already gotten? Or am I wrong in that? No, it's all about positioning. So, um, you know, whenever I have included, so for example, that uh, little mini class I was talking about, I included that in the bigger course only because when people bought the course, they were like, hey, I still want those videos that I went through. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we added them. Um, But uh, other ways to do this is to just position it. Hey, you know, you, you will still have access to these videos, right? Like these videos will be the first videos that are present in the course that you buy. So since you're a step ahead, you can go ahead and skip that and get to, uh, get to module two. Keep in mind that people are always buying, um, an, a result, right? People are buying a result. When they bought that traffic workshop from me, they weren't buying videos and PDFs. They were buying the idea that they could be a successful media buyer and that maybe they could scale their business and make more money and hire more employees because of this information provided. Um, So if you always speak to the end benefit, you'll find that your customers are way less um, ticky tacky about, oh, these videos were already in this course because they'll think, oh, great, I don't have to go through module one, right? Like I'm ready to skip ahead because I'm focused on that end result. So it's just about how you how you set it up. Yeah, and actually it's probably more just our own mindset of how we always think about the worst thing possible and the worst case scenarios of things. Are they going to be upset? Right, right. But no, you're right. I mean, I've done the same thing with certain mini courses that I've gotten access to and then paid for the courses. I I like that that's still there. Um, But again, Mm -hmm. when you're selling stuff, it's a little scary, especially if you're doing it for the first time. Do you have any mindset tips for those of us who are just starting out with sales and are a little bit timid and Mm. not very confident because I know from my own experience, when you're not confident in what you have to sell, your customers are not going to be confident in what you have to sell. Yeah, I actually have a good story as to how I learned to do this uh, because I I was always, you know, a content provider at DM. I never asked people to buy something. I just delivered, right, either on the podcast or in a course. Mm-hmm. And um, Ryan came to me one day. He said, I want to test you on video selling. I can't even remember what we were selling, selling something versus me. <laughs> I said, okay, great. Like one of the best people on camera selling versus me. Right. Um, and he gave me some really good tips because I, 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 I kind of panicked. I got very nervous and he was like, Molly, you can't think of this as any different than the content you deliver on the podcast or in a course. These are just different words. Right. So I guess my advice would be 
don't hype yourself up about it. Think of it just as you would think about recording a podcast episode or recording a video for YouTube, because that's what people like, right? They got to know you through those mediums. So if you turn into a different person, when you go to deliver the sales message, it's going to, um, you know, uh, alert their, ooh, this is getting weird, I need to hit the back button, right? Like it's going to alert those senses in their brain. But if you're just who you are on camera, uh, who you were in the content videos that, that you know, they, they've seen, um, it goes really smoothly. So the first, I shot a few variations of that video sales letter I was telling you about before I got this feedback from Ryan. And they were weird. I wasn't myself. I was really uncomfortable. Um, I looked very nervous. Mm -hmm. uh, and then after he gave me that advice, I was like, great, I'm just going to deliver this message the same way I do uh, on the podcast. Um, so we recorded it that way. And my video converted higher than Ryan's video. Uh, and that I think was just because I was myself on camera. So um, nothing mind blowing, but uh, try not to think of delivering sales messages any different from the other messages that you deliver to your audience. I love that. Now, when a person becomes a customer, you had mentioned earlier that a great thing to do is to empower your customers to help essentially become ambassadors for your brand and yeah. help to, to share the love even more. What are some strategies that you have in place to help us do that? Yeah, so uh, just really thinking around marketing campaigns that you can use to, uh, you know, aid your customers, you know, or to um, not convince, but to really motivate your customers to essentially sell your product for you, right? Um, and that can be done through a few ways. Um, at Digital Marketer, we set up a referral program for our for their uh, Digital Marketer Lab product, which is a monthly membership. And every person that you referred, you got a $10 Amazon gift card. It was really simple. We just had to send out a few emails about it. Um, and it was present in the members area. Uh, that worked really, really well. Um, depending on the product you sell, there are lots of ways to do this. Like uh, when we were selling event tickets, uh, to, we would run an email campaign to people who had purchased tickets in the past. Um, and we would give them a discount. Hey, you're an alumni, therefore you get a discount ticket. Um, and you can also bring a friend at a discount, right? So we were basically leveraging our customer base of people who have attended event the event in the past to bring new blood to the event, right? To bring new people by, um, you know, allowing them to bring a friend at a discount. Um, so really just thinking about how can I reward my existing customers for uh, bringing new blood into my business? Um, and, you know, that's that was a huge focus of, of my job at, at Digital Marketer. So cool. Now, speaking of Digital Marketer, you've recently stepped away to set yeah. up your own shop. Tell us about kind of your mindset behind that and kind of what's exciting that's coming up for you. Yeah. So the past few months I've spent, uh, you know, doing consulting different 
agency type work with clients and I figured out a, a way to systemize it. So I'm launching a brand at digitalstrategybootcamps.com. Uh, there's a wait list now if you want to go uh, put your, your email address in there. I'll let you know when we launch. It should be in March. And basically the concept of uh, this brand is to uh, work with people in a similar fashion that I did with you, Pat. You know, a four to six week process um, that I can go through with brands um, specific to funnels, messenger marketing, paid traffic, um, where I can meet with your team, really figure out your goals, where you're trying to get, because every business is so different. Um, analyze and audit anything thing that you're currently doing, if you currently have funnels that you're running. Um, and then, you know, I present these funnel blueprints uh, that are these cool little interactive PDFs uh, that you can click around, see each step of the funnel. There's a video shot for each step that talks about the copy and the page layout and stuff like that. But essentially with this in deliverable at the end of our bootcamp together at the end of four to six weeks, you know, you have this funnel map or this paid traffic map or this messenger, you know, chat bot map that's going to allow you and your team to go execute um, some, uh, some, you know, marketing strategies that will help grow your business. So I also offer one-off consulting and I just really love doing this stuff. So uh, really excited about launching that brand and thanks for letting me talk about it, Pat. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so again, that's digital strategy bootcamps, plural, dot com. Uh, yes. And I have to say the experience was was amazing. And I think I was your first client, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You were one of you and uh, Kajabi. You you guys were my the first people who who let me play in your business. So thank you for that. <laughs> Man, Molly, thank you so much for all your help. Uh, thank you. Are you up on social media if people want to come and say hi really quick? Uh, yeah, so you can check out my personal profile at Molly Pittman and just follow me. Um, I am in the process of setting up some other social profiles, but I'm not quite sure what those are going to be called. So yeah, just follow me on Facebook. Definitely check out the the new site and I look forward to getting to know you guys. Cool. Thanks for all the value today, Molly. Appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much, Pat. I appreciate you too. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Molly Pittman. Like I said, just incredible information, and I'm so thankful that I was able to work with her. If you want to see what else she has to offer, you can find her at digitalstrategybootcamps.com uh, and, of course, mollypittman.com and on Twitter, uh, just all the good stuff. And the links are mentioned on the show notes page, as always, at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 309. Once again, at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 309. And hey, speaking of funnels, uh, if you ever are interested in starting a podcast and you also want to see how these funnels kind of work, uh, you can actually check out my mini course for my podcast. You can check that out by going to howtostartapodcast.com and that'll get you started. And if anything, it'll at least put you through a process. And I probably shouldn't be mentioning that because it may skew the numbers a little bit, at least for those of you who just want to follow along. But hey, whatever I can do to help you, maybe it's just giving you a direct example by you being a part of it. That's that's cool too. So go to howtostartapodcast.com uh, and even better if you want to start a podcast in the future too because I, as you can tell, this is a great way to not only provide a lot of great content to you, it's a great way to connect with other people too. I actually had a few people in uh, my Power Up Podcasting course 
start the podcast and say that more than anything, like the download numbers, they don't care about that. Just the fact that they have a podcast allows them to connect with and have conversations for a half hour or an hour with some of their favorite people, their heroes or people that they wouldn't have been able to get access to otherwise. Uh, so anyway, just food for thought. But anyway, howtostartapodcast.com if you want to check that out. And again, big thanks to Molly Pittman for coming on the show. But most of all, helping me in my business make sense of all this stuff because that's uh, that, that's still stuff I'm learning about. So hey guys, I'm here learning with you too. But anyway, thank you so much. Make sure you subscribe to the show if you haven't already. And a big shout out and thank you to everybody who has recently left a review on iTunes. I appreciate that so much. Cheers guys, take care. And I look forward to serving you in the next episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.